because sometimes hope just gets drained out of us. And so the verse I'm going to share from this morning is actually John chapter 16, verse 33. Don't turn there yet. I'd actually um, just put it on the screen for me, Dale, that, that first slide that I gave you. You'll see what it says. Jesus says this. In this world, you'll have trouble, much trouble. But take heart because I've overcome the world. That's what this day is about. We have to sometimes take heart because we do experience trouble. There will be not one person that is sitting here this morning that hasn't experienced difficulty, suffering, trauma, injustice, pain. Not one of us escape it. And that's why Jesus says to his disciples um, just, just before the Last Supper, he said to them those words, In this world you'll have many troubles, but take heart for I've overcome the world. So Resurrection Sunday matters. And we have to speak to our spirit sometimes to take heart. So resurrection is not just some fairy tale that actually took place. Jesus did rise from the dead. His body was dead, but the Spirit of God raised him again to life. And that's why he's overcome all of the difficulties that we will experience, he experienced as well. So our hope is not based on is not based on wishful thinking. It's based on the faithfulness of God that has been proven through the ages time and time again, but culminated in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But then even after that, Jesus gave us his Holy Spirit so he would be with us as we live through this world and this life. So our hope is not a wishful thinking, but knowing that Jesus is with us in the most difficult times, no matter how troubling life is for any of us at any moment we know that by his spirit he brings life and he's told us to take heart we can be in the middle of a crisis and yet we can be so strong on the inside because the spirit girds us encourages us lifts us up so you know what i'm praying for this morning for you personally i've been praying for some of you by name I've been praying for our families. I've been praying for us as a church this morning that we would know by the power of the Holy Spirit today what it means to take heart in a living God. That's what we're going to do. Now, before I bring the Word of God, I've asked our worship team, they're going to bring you an item, a song uh, called Take Heart. Why don't you put your hands together for them? Take 
first thing that Jesus says in that verse is that we will have trouble. (laughs) Anybody here ever had any trouble whatsoever? Come on, put your hand up. For those of you who don't put your hand up, can you come and pray for me afterwards? 
because uh, I think we've all had trouble of some kind. And when, when, when you think of that, um, I, I often, when I read verses like that, I, I have this sort of smile on my face because I see a little bit of comedy in the Bible, as in we like all the very positive and energetic and victorious stuff, but the stuff where God might actually say, there's some suffering or there's going to be some difficulty. In fact, the word that's used there in that original language has the idea of being sifted or threshed out. And so we, we sort of avoid those statements or those verses. And when God says, well, through Jesus, he said to us, we're going to have trouble. I mean, who wants to claim that verse? Anybody wants to claim that verse today? <laughs> Good on you, Dan. I appreciate that. I want to tell you just a couple of things today about this theme of, of taking heart, resurrecting hope in your own spirit, in your own life, in your own soul, because hope deflates so quickly. It, 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 I think it often gets um, strangled out of us. Now let me tell you a couple of things about hope in the Bible overall. So go to that uh, next slide. Thanks, thanks, Dale. The first thing is, you know, the Bible equates being without God is being without hope. There are a number of verses that actually teach that. And so, you know, not, not, not in a sense where we use this against those who don't share our faith. This is not the tone, and it's certainly not my, um, my hard attitude this morning. This is not about those who don't believe in Jesus or people that we want to come to faith. This is really about us now. We're in faith, in a relationship with God. We understand now looking back, before we knew God, we didn't have any real hope. And that's because hope, real hope, it's not wishful thinking. We use the word hope in a glib sense. Very, very regularly we'll use it like, I hope it doesn't rain, hope it doesn't get too hot. I hope Essendon won yesterday against Fremantle and they didn't. I'll see that hand, Peter. You know, we use this word hope all the time, but it's really about our wish regarding a particular circumstance. But in biblical terms, from God's position, hope is not circumstantial. And so if you don't know God, if you don't have a relationship with God, if you don't know who this Jesus is, then actually you don't have hope. You don't have real hope. You can wish all you like, but hope comes from God. So a couple of the verses, I've got the references there. A couple of verses. Listen to this, Job, who of course did a lot of suffering. He says it this way, Godless people, or those who don't know God, so again, not in the geography sense, but those who don't know God, they have no hope. Their hope evaporates or it's blown around. He uses an example of reeds or flowers and grass that get pushed around with the wind. And without God, that's what your hope is like. It actually evaporates, dissipates and gets... Every time something new happens, it's unexpected and difficult, what happens is your hope gets pushed over. You don't really have a foundation. There's nothing to hold it up. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul, again talking to a bunch of believers who are following Jesus at Ephesus, says to them, you were once without God and without hope in this world. So to be without God is to be without hope in this world. I think, um, I think a human strategy, our natural strategy about hope, 
is probably more about making progress. It's about trying to get better, learn more, have more knowledge, improve our systems, educate people. We, we, try, we think that self-improvement as a, as a species or as, as a race, a collective race on the planet, will actually give us more hope. It's like this, this assumption that we've, we've been taught that sits in our heart that if we can just know more, do things better, then things will get better naturally. We think that's what hope is. That's like a human strategy for hope. But I think that's very limited. It, it's actually based on our ability to do or have control over our circumstances. And yet God's strategy is quite different. God's strategy to bring hope into our lives and not only to initially bring it when you get to know Jesus, but for you to maintain hope. So think of the words of Jesus. Take heart. You've got to take it. You've got to do something. You've got to hang on to it because hope evaporates. So God's strategy, not just to initially give us hope, but to actually help us maintain it as we struggle through life's difficult moments is that he sent Jesus into the world to live a life that would demonstrate who God is, resurrected him from the dead, and now he lives in us through the power of his Holy Spirit. God's strategy for hope was a resurrected saviour and the Holy Spirit that is with us all the time, whether you are having a good day or the most horrid day in your whole life, if you know Jesus, the Holy Spirit is with you every single moment. That's God's strategy. God's strategy is not to self-improve us. God's strategy was to send us a saviour who enables us to navigate life and difficult times. That's God's strategy. So 1 Timothy 4.7, I've also got the reference on the screen there. It says this, Those of us who have put our hope in the living God is the saviour of all people, but especially for those of us who believe. See, the, the word hope in its rudimentary sense just means trust. It's where do you put your trust? Is your trust in your own ability? Is your trust in self-improvement? Or, you know, if you could study more, get, get a better job, earn more, live in a better neighbourhood. You know, with people who give you trouble, can you get rid of them out of your life? But God's strategy was to actually say, no, it's not... You're not escaping living in this world. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to shore you up. I'm going to send you a saviour and you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and that will guide you, that will strengthen you, that will minister life to you, that will speak to you. That's God's strategy for hope. So if you don't know God, you don't know hope. You can't have hope without God, is what the Bible teaches. Here's the second thing, the next slide, thanks Dale. You can't live without hope. Now, we sort of know this, I think, intuitively. We know we can't live without hope. Because at times, you know, I I thought about telling some of my challenges, but I think if I stood anyone up in this room this morning, we could all tell our stories of utter hopelessness. Where we, we didn't even know what we couldn't, or it's almost like we couldn't even take another breath it's like we're overwhelmed. You know, you think of all the stresses of life. Um, sometimes you get accused of things that you haven't done. Sometimes we do things that we shouldn't have done. Sometimes we carry guilt or shame. Sometimes we get sick unexpectedly. 
You know, I've suffered incredible in terms of unexpected loss, the death of somebody. And you could stand up and tell your stories. But what the key is here is to know that in the midst of it, life with God includes hope. That's what it is. We, you know, the fact that we come together on a Sunday morning is one of the reasons is to take heart together. You can't take heart on your own. You need other people to strengthen and encourage, support, pray, lift you up. That's why God puts us in a family. He, you know, the biblical word is church, the ecclesia or the gathering, the collective is really a better translation of church. It's the gathering. It's those people who follow Jesus get together and one of the things that we're doing right now as we worshipped, as Charles led us through that Bible verse in 1 Peter 3 about living hope, is we were taking heart. The problem is, you know, that from my experience, the problem is we know when you're in pain, so whether it's physical pain, psychological pain, you know what we do? We isolate ourselves. We withdraw. And I know it's a natural thing to do because we, we're depleted of energy. We don't feel we have the strength. We can't face people. We wouldn't, you know, sometimes you don't want to tell the same terrible story over and over again. Sometimes you don't have the energy to get out of bed. Uh, we've all gone through those things and we'll probably sometimes, some of us will go through them again. But here's the thing. When I exclude myself from this gathering, it's a lot harder for me to take hope. I can't take heart on my own. I've got to have other people standing beside me who understand me, appreciate me, love me, can help lift me up. And I need to do the same for other people. I know some of you sitting out there, you've had the experience, in your darkest times, you've been the best help to somebody else. There's something dynamic about helping other people in your own struggle. Not because of your struggle, but you give out of yourself anyway and you get lifted at the same time. And so we have to understand that if you don't know God, you don't know hope, but you can't live without hope. We all need hope. Some of you will know this verse, Proverbs 13, verse 12. I've got the reference there. It says this, Hope that gets deferred makes your heart sick. And we, all, we can all relate to that because we all know what it feels like. And again, John 16, 33, our verse for today. Jesus says, In this world, you're going to have trouble. We are going to have trouble. But take heart. In other words, you can't live without hope. Now, I don't know how you became a Christian, if you are one, and you consider yourself a disciple of Christ. When I became a a really committed believer, I, I sort of dabbled in it for a while, I had this sort of misunderstanding that being a Christian should exempt me for any problems. It was almost like the fault, I mean, it was part of the teaching at the time that I was under, but I had this sort of faulty assumption that because I said yes to God and because I'm following his teaching and his commands and because I'm filled with his Holy Spirit, that somehow that exempts me from any sort of suffering. Can I have an amen? Amen. Sounds good. Gets taught occasionally. Certainly years ago, I used to get taught all the time. But it's not true. (laughs) There is no invisible sort of hedge of protection or screen that stops things from happening to us that are unjust, unfair, unexpected. Even some of the greatest saints, I mean, not just biblical saints, but other saints have experienced and walked through incredible suffering, but they held on to hope. That's what makes us different because we know God, 
we know hope. We have hope, but we've got to keep it because I think, you know, when we're under pressure, when we're suffering, what happens is our hope, it, it, it gets deflated. I think it gets, it like, I, I was thinking of the phrase, hope leaks. It leaks when we're under extreme pressure, whether it's physical, psychological, relational, financial, when we're under a terrible amount of stress and pressure. And we say to God, why are you, why are you allowing this? This is not fair. Our hope can leak out. And that's why I think Jesus, one of the, this is, this is the last sort of words that Jesus has just before what we call the Last Supper or their final Passover together. One of the things he tells his disciples and one of the things I think he's saying to us today, we will face trouble in this world. This world is dysfunctional. It doesn't work right. We're not right. We do wrong things. But we have to take heart. We have to actually make sure we put hope back into our souls, into our hearts. You can't live without hope. See, our hope is, is different. We don't deny circumstances. I had, a, I had a Christian friend of mine who was having trouble with their eyesight and um, just I think it was just age. And so he got into his head that he was going to just believe God was going to heal his eyes no matter what. And he's walking into furniture because he couldn't see where he was going. True story. This is an absolute true story. He could not see where he's going. So he's bumping into furniture at home and it became a little bit of a a sort of joke between some of us because he just didn't want to wear glasses. He had this idea that God was going to heal him. Now, there are moments where God speaks to you and he will heal you, but there are moments where God says, no, I'm actually going to walk through this with you. That's my experience. So my victory is is not escaping Christianity is not an escapist religion. We're not trying to, um, you know, meditate ourselves into a nirvana. What we're realists. We understand if Jesus says we're going to have trouble in this world, but take heart. We, our greatest victory is actually that we can praise God and worship God in the midst of our suffering. That we know that our future goes far beyond our present circumstance. My current trouble does not limit who I am and who my God is. But if you don't take heart, you think it does. That's what happens. Now, I want to, um, some of you know Judd, so Judd, I'll come down, I think. I, I asked Judd before, come up here, Judd. So you, some of you know Judd, you saw him playing um, in the, the worship team before, and some of you know his, his wife um, has been quite sick. So maybe just quickly tell people, what happened, um, and then tell them what happened on Good Friday. Done. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, as some of you would know, uh, Mel went from being healthy to being incredibly sick and in hospital within a 24-hour period. Um, The doctors then diagnosed that she had a brain tumour in her cerebellum that was causing all the issues. Uh, Very rare for adults to get a brain tumour or any kind of growth or lesion in that part of the brain. Um, I'm a project manager, I like my numbers, I don't like surprises, so I was a little bit silly and got all the information from the doctors. So for about the past five weeks, I've been looking down the barrel of my wife having less than a 1% chance that the growth in her brain wasn't cancer, and then also knowing that she had a less than 6% chance of surviving if it was cancer. So talk about needing God to walk with you through challenging times. Um, And then all through that, God's been there. 
um, the weird piece has been really, really overpowering. The stress is still there, but the piece is there. Then on Friday, we, um, we got the call from Mel. The medical team had come in to see her really deeply surprised um, because they found that the lesion in her brain that they'd removed was actually an abnormal vascular growth. Um, now, she's got a team of about four or five doctors working on her and looking after her. They've probably got you know close to 200 years' experience between them all. Not one of them had ever seen anything like this because it's so rare. Um, so from where we stand, this is a miracle. And this is the miracle that I've been praying for for weeks, that it would not be cancer. And we got it. So she's still got to recover, but let me tell you, God's good. So, so Judd, actually, Charles, why don't you come up here? We're going to pray for, for Mel, for you and for the girls. Why don't you come up? Where's your sister? On lights. On lights. You can come all the way up, Paige. No, that's right. Now, you know, he's taken heart. In fact, I was praying for you guys, and the Lord um, gave me the verse out of Romans 8, where it actually says um, that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. And that quickens us. That actually brings us life when we think we're facing death. And, and, but it's a word of encouragement, Judd, for you, I think in particular. I mean, obviously for Mel. But that you have actually experienced the resurrection power of the Spirit through this process. And, and it's, it's, it's impacted everyone else in your family. I know your mum and dad are here as well. But I'm going to ask you to... Can you pray for them, Charles? Let's just pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for a house that was determined to trust in you. Lord, I thank you that despite the percentages, the statistics, the prognosis, Lord God, you are higher. And we stand here today recognising and thanking you for your healing and restoring power. Lord, I I pray for Jard and Mal and Charlie and Paige, Lord. Lord. and, And right now, Lord, I pray that you would continue to be with them. Continue to strengthen them, Lord. Let them know that uh, this is part of their process of growth, Lord God, as you create in them a testimony for your glory. Lord, continue to uh, build into them. Continue to strengthen them. Give Judd wisdom in this time, Lord God, and strengthen this time as he supports his girls. Lord, we thank you for your healing power. We thank you, Lord, that there'll be no repercussions from this in Mal physically, Lord, but that she will walk back into this place, Lord, by the grace and mercy that you have for us and proof of your healing power. We thank you, Lord, and we thank you for this family. Thank you for their faithfulness, Lord. I just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't you give them a big hand? Thanks very much for sharing. Just go to that, that last slide for me, Dale. He, he, so if you don't know God, you don't know hope. You can't live without hope. And here's the thing the Bible teaches us. is Don't lose heart, but take heart. So in Corinthians, Paul actually says, we don't lose heart even though, talking about our bodies, on the outside we waste away. You know, we age, we get ill, eventually we die. The body dies. So we don't lose heart even though on the outside we waste away because in the inside we are being made new every single day. That's what Paul taught. 
So our task is not to let hope be drained or be sucked or leak out of us. Our hope is take heart. You know what take heart literally means? Because it's an unusual phrase, isn't it? Take heart. It literally, when Jesus spoke those words, it literally means get courage and put it back. It means to take courage and put it back in your heart. That's the literal rendering of take heart. Because hope comes from courage. And when your hope is leaking or you think your hope less, you have no hope, Jesus' command is to take heart. Get courage, put it back where it should be. It's not a denial of your circumstance. We're not living in ignorance. It's that our future is tied to Jesus' future. That's what it literally means. We share in his victory. We didn't deserve it. We don't earn it. We, it doesn't matter how long you're a Christian, you still don't deserve it or earn it. It's a total free gift. But because we have given our lives to God and our bodies to God, even though our humanness will die and we will decay physically, but we will live again because Jesus lives. His future is my future because I said yes to him. That's literally what it means to take heart. We're not avoiding or denying we have trouble or we're suffering. That's, we're, not, we're not sort of living, uh, you know, we're not putting our head in the sand. But we know that God is the God of hope and he gives hope. And that's what I want to happen this morning. I want you to understand and encounter personally what it means for God to come along and take heart, put courage back in your soul. Don't let the enemy steal your courage. It's not, again, we're not, we're not trying to, we're not lording it other, over other people. We, we just understand that even in the midst of our struggle, we are strong because God is right here with us. He's empowering us. He's going to strengthen us. And he's teaching me stuff as I struggle. So I take heart, no matter what the circumstance or the outcome is.